From Parkway Church in Corona, this is the Parkway Podcast. We hope this message blesses and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website at weareparkway.com. How's everybody doing? Oh my goodness, I'm so overwhelmed. Um, I'm so overwhelmed, but um, super excited about today and about this next season. Hello to those who are listening on the podcasts and the radio, which is crazy. But um, we, are, we are excited to be here. Jody and I, um, and even our kids, have been anticipating this day for a, lot of, a long time. And not only this day, but also the future. Um, it was about eight weeks ago, I believe it was, eight weeks ago-ish that we first um, preached the call, meaning that after we had met with the search committee and everyone kind of felt God leading us in this direction, um, they presented us to you and we felt led to come and preach and, and then the members voted and here we are. And we vote and we plan and we prepare and we purpose, but God directs our steps. How many guys believe that, right? Come on, that's good, that's good. Yeah. Um, thanks to everyone. I know we've already kind of done this, but thanks to everyone who's helped us get here. Um, thanks to uh, Bob. Um, he's kind of putting us up for a little bit um, in his home and Carolyn. And, and, and for those um, who have filled in the gaps, we know that over the last eight weeks, you've had a plethora of different speakers come in and, and share a message, a talk from the Word of God, what's on their heart for um, that day, that moment in our future. And so I'm very thankful for people that fill in the gaps. I'm thankful for people who fill in the gaps well. Um, thanks to you, Scott. And I know you represent the district, Western Ontario District. And uh, we're just so thankful. I'm very thankful um, for all you've done. The district has done. Um, let me just share a bit and lead into today's message. The moment we began, and I'm going to open this water at the same time. The moment we began this whole process, vision that God had given us that we actually believed at the time was for a church plant, um, began to really take hold of us once Parkway was in, in, in our scopes. Like it just kind of, it bursted forth like water bursting from the ground that you just couldn't stop. It was like ideas and, and visions and, and plans and, and we began to prepare and think and dream and think and dream and dream and think and it just kind of came, came to us and we couldn't stop it. Um, dreams of what could be an idea is what could be accomplished. And this idea for this series that we're going to begin today of taking ground really got a hold of me. And I just want to turn your attention. Do we have that video ready? I want to turn your attention to the screen. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now. Because I've been to the mountaintop. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. So this idea of taking ground really got a hold of me because this, as much as this is a new chapter for me and my family, Jody and I and our kids, this is a this is a new chapter for us as a church. 
as, as Parkway Church. This is a new chapter. Isaiah 43 says, see, the Lord says this, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? And I already believe, and I, as I've talked with di- different members of the church and people, that some of you are already perceiving that God is doing a new thing. And we really believe that. We believe that there's new ground for us to explore, that there's people to be reached. There is territory, both physically and metaphorically, um, for us to occupy that it's time to start taking ground. And so we're going we're gonna to begin a new series today. Before World War II, there was a principle of international law called the right of conquest. It was the right of the conqueror to territory um, taken by force of arms. So if a leader or a nation decided that they wanted territory, they could by force enter that territory, conquer it, and by this principle of international law, they would, they would occupy that tor- territory. It would belong to them. Now, thankfully, after World War II, that was banned, so we don't necessarily see people just decide sometimes we do, um, just to take land by force. But there is land, there is territory, I believe, that is set before us as a church and as individuals um, that is occupied by forces that need to be conquered, that need to be conquered. There is ground in our minds and in our hearts and our spirits that is ruled by sin and deception and hurt that needs to be conquered. There is, there is ground in our homes and in our families that is occupied by an enemy and forces that oppose the kingdom of God, and it's time to start taking ground. There, there is territory in our workplace that needs Jesus, and some of you know this all too well, and it's time we start taking ground. There are people in our community who are far from God, in need of Jesus, who are blinded by sin and Satan, and it's time that we rage war. And not a war fought with aggression or force, but one with love and grace and believing that what is promised to us is better than present circumstances. There are promises to us as individuals and to us as a community throughout Scripture, and it's time that we start taking ground on those. Biblical promises of eternal life, and not just what awaits us one day, but living in eternity now. Uh, Promises of forgiveness and walking in that, not just talking about it. We're really good at talking about forgiveness as, as Christian people, but walking in forgiveness. Money and finances, needs, healing, wisdom, family, peace, overcoming temptation, protection, fear, suffering, and resurrection. Are you following with me so far? So we're going to begin a new series today um, called Taking Ground, and we're going to look specifically at stories and verses found throughout the book of Joshua in the Old Testament, because the book of Joshua is a narrative that recalls a time when God's people were entering a new season of their lives, and there was uh, set before them a promise of new land. But before that they could enter into that promise, they needed to conquer the inhabitants that were occupying the land. And so over the next few weeks, um, we're going to dive into some of the stories found here um, and see what we can learn from them. That's, that's how I like to go. I like to just open up the Bible where the Lord leads. And, and as we look through the scriptures, let the scriptures speak for themselves. Now, before we, uh, we really begin today, just my little sidebar disclosure. I think church needs to be exciting. I think, uh, I think church needs to be fun and exciting. I like exciting worship experiences. I like it when people, like it was this morning actually, when people are walking in and there's like buzz and there's energy in, in, the, in the lobby. Um, I believe that God created fun and excitement as much as he created seriousness and reflection. And we as churches tend to do serious really well. We could always do better at excitement and fun. Um, when church is exciting and church is fun, people want to come back to church. It can't be boring. What Jesus did on the cross was not boring. It was serious, but what it accomplished was exciting. And so um, when I preach, 
I can get a little excited and I can get a little passionate. And so if my, the volume of my voice kind of tends to escalate and get higher and higher and I, it sounds like I'm running out of breath, just know that I'm just passionate. I'm excited. All right. Um, that's my little sidebar disclosure for you. So there's a story that sets the stage for the book of Joshua and for this series that we're going to look at briefly this morning. And then we're going to eat food, which is biblical because Jesus always ate food with people. Um, but the story we, we're going to look at this morning is found in Numbers chapter 13. If you're taking notes, um, I've titled this Big Grapes and Bigger Giants. Big Grapes and Bigger Giants. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Numbers chapter 13. We're going we're gonna to begin in verse 18, and we're going to do some jumping around. But just before we begin, I know we've already prayed, but I want us to pray one last time. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just commit the hearing of your word Right now, in these moments, God, we commit our ears, we commit our spirits, we commit our hearts, that as I share, ultimately, Holy Spirit, would you speak to every individual, to every person in this place, the words that you need to speak? Would you encourage? God, would you convict? God, would you instill? God, would you call? God, would you speak what you need to speak in the name of Jesus? And help us to leave here not just hearing the word, God, but actually doing the word, God. Help us to get excited about what you're going to do, not only in our lives, but through our lives. So we commit this morning to you, God. We pray above all else that you're glorified, that you're exalted. In Jesus' name, amen. So a um, little, little bit of a backstory before we look at Numbers 13, chapter or chapter 13, verse 18, uh, before Jesus came and opened the door for anyone to be a part of God's family, God had a people called the Israelites, a chosen people. Um, and God's people, the Israelites, at the time of this story, which some of you might know very well, but I'm going to assume there's people who don't, are, are stuck. They're enslaved to the Egyptian nation and ruler Pharaoh. They're in this position of slavery. They are stuck. How many of you have ever felt stuck before? You felt stuck. So God sends Moses as a baby to the house of Pharaoh and raises him up as a deliverer to bring a message to the people that God is rescuing them from slavery and he's bringing them into a new land, a land flowing of milk and honey. And for those of you that are vegetarian or vegan or lactose intolerant, almond milk, whatever. And he's, he's, he's got a message that God is bringing them to a promised land that they would get, and they would receive the rest that they were looking for. They're under oppression, they're stateless slaves, and they're needing rest. And the message is, I got rest, and it's coming. I've heard your cry, and it's coming. God has something better for them. God has a place for them, and it's better than where they are, and it's better than where they came from. Can I just say that I believe God has something better for you? I believe God has something better for you. You may find yourself stuck in situations that seem hopeless or maybe you're uncertain or maybe you're unsure or maybe you're hurting or maybe you're gripped by addiction and sin, but there is something better for you promised in the Bible and in the person of Jesus and what's been accomplished for you by Jesus. God has something better for you. God has a place for you. God has a place for you as a part of his family, as an adopted child that God and as a part of the church and this local church congregation. God is taking you somewhere better than where you came. In Jesus, we are citizens of heaven, the Bible says. He's promised to work in us until it's complete. And thankfully, we're works in progress. And thankfully, it's not complete until he returns. And he promises that he would, we would find ultimate rest in him. So the Israelites... Are, are given this message from Moses by God that he's going to take them from being stateless slaves to becoming a nation that would have their own land, 
a new land, a promised land, where they would receive rest. So the story goes that Moses, he, he's raised up and he leads them out of slavery through the great exodus, and they find themselves on this journey to this new land, to this promise that they heard, to the promise of rest, and they're in the in-between. They're in between. In between. How many of you ever felt like you're in between? You're in between the, the point A and the point B. You're, you feel like you're going somewhere, but you have yet to arrive, and not just like a vacation, right? Those are good in-betweens, but the not-so-good in-betweens, right? You're just waiting for the day when this will no longer be, and you're in the in-between. That's where they are. And for those of us that know the story, we know that the geographical location and the area is known as the desert or the wilderness, and there they camp out at a place called Mount Sinai, and it's here at Mount Sinai that they receive the law, right, the Ten Commandments, and many more that would help establish them as an as a individual nation, a nation that is set apart from other nations, and a nation that would not look like other nations. And from there, they continue on, um, to, on this journey to this new land, and then they come to the edge, and what lies before them is this promise that was given to them, a promised land. A region God promised would be their home. It was flourishing, it was beautiful, and it was productive. Up until today, Jody and I have felt like we're on the edge of just peering into the promise of Parkway. Up until today. And we, even, like, even yesterday, even as we're driving up yesterday, it was just like we're on the edge, just looking in, and here we are today. And then we come to the story of Numbers 13. Moses, the leader at the time, chose 12 guys from each of the tribes, leaders from each of the tribes, to go into the land as spies and scout it out and bring back a report before they can start taking ground. Before they could start taking ground, before they could occupy the space, they needed to go in, they needed to take a look around and bring back a report. So Numbers chapter 13, verse 18, says this. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they walled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. So before that they, they could enter into and conquer the land, before that they could occupy the land, before they could step into the promise of rest, they had to know the lay of the land. They had to know the lay of the land. They had to do some recon work. If you're going to take some ground in your life, then you need to know what you're up against. If you're going to take ground in your homes and in your kids' lives and in your workplace, in your minds and in your hearts, in your life, you need to know what you're up against. You need to do some recon work. What areas in my life, within my control, are ruled by something else? My thoughts. Maybe I think things I shouldn't think. My desires, my heart, my actions, my reactions. I don't know why I do what I do. My flesh, my body, my passions, my resources, my time. I spend it on things I probably shouldn't spend it on. We can often live our lives as stateless slaves occupying space that belongs to us, but we've relinquished control over to something else. You need to examine yourself. What areas within my control am I presently not occupying? Further, what areas in my life outside my control need a big dose of Jesus? Do I need to pursue and rage war for God's kingdom? Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's your neighbors. Maybe it's the town. 
Maybe it's St. Clair Township. Maybe it's this whole region. What are we up against? And we won't know unless we're intentional about examining and scouting out our lives. The Bible says this, examine yourselves. Test yourselves. What do I need to work on? If you're going to take ground in your life, you need to examine yourself. If we're going to take ground as a church, as a church community, we need to know the landscape. Who lives here? Are they rich? Are they poor? Middle class? Families? Elderly? What are their needs? What's the soil like? Are they hurting? Yes. Is money their God? Yes. What are they dealing with? We can become so isolated as Christians that we don't really know who we live among. And worse, they don't know that we live among them. And we won't know, and they won't know, unless we go. Unless we go. And we scout out. Part of the reason why we're doing an Easter um, outreach this year, Easter egg hunt, is to invade the space of our community. Is to rub shoulders with the people in this community. With the grace of God, with the love of God. To engage them to take ground, to occupy space we need to step into. And so um, I know Michelle, Pastor Michelle already did this, but if you could bring some Easter egg chocolates, that would be fantastic, foil-wrapped ones, because we're going to need a lot, because people are going to show up, lots of people that we can rub shoulders with, to search for Easter egg chocolates with their little kids. And so we need Easter egg chocolates for the little kids to find. But the purpose behind that is not just so we can have Easter egg chocolates together and it'll be nice and fancy and, and we can celebrate. It's so we can invade the space of our community. It's so we can rub shoulders and we can begin to take ground in our community's lives. But we won't take ground in our community's lives unless we do some recon work, unless we know what we're up against, unless we know who we're living among. So they're scouting all the promises of God. It says, verse 27, it says this, they, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. It's almost like God was right. We're shocked. He was right. It does flow with milk and honey, and here it's its fruit. So the leaders bring first the good news. We found grapes. In verse 23, it says they found grapes. We found grapes. And the grapes are so big that it took two guys to carry it on a tree branch back. There's potential in this land. This is a fruitful land. There's lots of potential here. The fruit is huge. There's big Big grapes. Man, I think there's good news for us. I think there's good news for you. I think there's potential in your life. And I know this not only because of what I've seen and heard from people in this church, but I know this because of what Scripture tells me. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Paul says to eagerly desire the greater gifts. There are gifts undiscovered and purposes untapped. There are doors that he can open, the scriptures say, that no one can close in your mind and in your heart, in your family, in your workplace. There is potential in the land. There is potential in the land. There's potential in this church as a corporate body. Lots of potential, untapped potential. Some of you have gifts and talents and resources that are waiting to be unleashed for kingdom purposes. There are potent, there's potential in our region. This, this region is filled with inhabitants that don't know Jesus. They just need someone to go. There are big grapes. Everyone say big grapes. 
There are big grapes. I'm excited about grape, big grapes. I like grapes. They're, they're good. They're good fruit. That was a, that was a blessing from God. Seeing red grapes and green grapes and seedless grapes. That's an extra little one. So you don't have to skip past the green. Like, thanks, Jesus. But secondly, not only do they bring the good news, but they bring the bad news. See, the, there are big grapes, and that's a good news, Moses. But the bad news is there are bigger giants. There are big grapes. Check it out. We brought some. Took two of us and some figs. But there are bigger giants. Let's read the rest of the story and see what there's there for us. Numbers 13, verse 28. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Malachites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites, everyone say, that's a lot of ites, right? Live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those in it. All the people we saw are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from a Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked like the same to them. This is our perspective sometimes. We don't see the potential in ourselves and in our land. It goes on, chapter 14, verse 1. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. Hundreds of thousands raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, catch this, if only we had died in Egypt, stateless slavery, or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to a land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. They wanted to go back to slavery because they couldn't grasp the promise for the problem. They wanted to go back to the way it was because they couldn't grasp the promise for the problems. See, sometimes we hold on to the past, not because we don't want to move forward, but because what lies before us are some obstacles and some hardships. And so it's easier just to stay or it's easier to go back. Then Moses says in verse 5, chapter 14, and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among them, who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. There's potential. There's big grapes. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into land, a land flowing of milk and honey or almond milk, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. So they thought they were just turning away in fear, but their turning away in fear was actually an act of rebellion. See, when God calls you to something, if you turn away because of fear of that thing, you're actually rebelling against God. It's actually a form of rebellion. Verse 9, only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. So they saw big grapes, but they saw even bigger giants. They saw the promise of God, but what grabbed their attention was the problem. See, what you're looking for will determine what you see. Have you ever, some of you probably bought a new car before. You think you're the only person that has that car. 
and then all of a sudden you see that car everywhere. You're like, shoot, I, you're so excited about it. Like we just bought a van last year because our family was expanding and uh, we did it, we, we did the plunge. I actually really wanted a van for a long time because they got lots of storage space. I'm one of those guys. But we bought this van and I thought, hey, nobody's got a Dodge Grand Caravan. And then every second vehicle on the road is a Dodge Grand Caravan. What you're looking for will determine what you see. If you're looking for opportunity, you will find opportunity. If you're looking for the potential, you will spot the potential. If you're looking for the promises of God, you will find the promises of God. If you're looking for the obstacle, you will see the obstacle. If you're looking for how hard it's going to be, you're going to see how hard it's going to be. If you're looking for the problems, you will find the problem. What you've set your eyes on will determine and dictate what you see. So can I ask you a quick question? What do you see in yourself? What do you see in yourself? Because what you see is actually what you're looking for. What you see is actually what you're looking for. What do you see in and around your life? You see potential or problems? Because what you see is what you're looking for. What do you see in this church? What do you see in this area? What you see will tell you what you're looking for. Maybe we need to shift our perspective from the problem to the potential. Maybe we need to deliberately and intentionally say, okay, where is the potential? Where is the opportunity? Where are the promises? Because we will begin to spot them. We will begin to see them. We will begin to see the big grapes. What you're looking for will determine what you see, but it will also determine where and how you walk. What you're looking for will determine where and how you walk. I remember when I was learning to drive, I was really concerned about staying in the lane, right? Most of us were. We're like, how am I going to stay between these two lines? And you're told to just look ahead. Look far ahead because you'll stay between the lanes. But it's really hard to look ahead when there's so much happening around you, right? It's hard to look ahead to stay in the right lane when I got a semi-truck driving by me or you got cars or pedestrians and usually you're like, what, are you 16, 17 when you start to learn how to drive, which is crazy. I don't think that's crazy even though that was me. Um, But if you stay and if you look ahead, I'll stay in the right lane. Now if I start looking at my phone, which you shouldn't because it's illegal by the way, or I start, you know, snacking on something because I'm a snacker as I drive, you know, I can veer off course a little bit. But it's, it's miraculous. If I look ahead to where I want to go, I stay in the right lane. When I was learning, um, first started playing soccer as a kid, I a, was a soccer player, um, I was always told to not look at the feet of the other players, but to keep my eye on the, on the ball. And when I keep my eye on the ball, I play better because what I'm looking for will determine how I walk, how I play, how I drive. If you want to take ground in your life, you need to set your eyes on the promises of God. If you want to take ground in your life, you need to set your eyes on the potential. If we want to start taking ground as a church community, then we need to set our eyes on the promises that have been given, not only in Scripture, but to this church community, on the potential in this place, because that will dictate how we move forward. And we won't move forward if we set our eyes on the problem. This is not just a metaphorical thing, like... We as a church will not move forward. We will not, not advance the kingdom of God in this region if we set our eyes on the problem. I'm not saying we shouldn't look for the problems. I'm not saying we shouldn't be aware of them. They were aware of them. Some of them just saw the big grapes. They saw the big giants, but they saw the big grapes. 
Some of us are gripped by fear and by intimidation, worry, bitterness, anger, and it's immobilized us from walking in the promises of God. We're focusing on the wrong thing. We need to shift our perspective. Let me just take this deeper. So 12 guys go in. They walk the same ground. They've seen the same giants. They've seen the same cities. And 10 spies give a negative report, and God's people got afraid, and they got nervous. 12 go in. They all see the same thing. 10 give a negative report. See, what you set your eyes on will not only determine what you see, not only determine how you walk, but it will determine what you say. And what you say has the ability to impact those around you. 12 spies go in, 10 saw the problem, and they gave a negative report, and it produced fear in the people, and their hearts sank to the level that stateless slavery was more appealing to them than the promise of rest in the land that was set before them. What you say matters. What you say will determine the perspective of others. What you say impacts not only what you're looking for and what you see, but what others start looking for. I was preaching at a youth retreat a couple weeks ago, um, and it's like the middle of the night. I'm in my room alone. It's like probably 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm sleeping, and all of a sudden, I hear this rustling in the room. And there's not much in the room. There's like a bed, a little desk, and a garbage can, and I had a little goodie bag full of candies. And I hear this rustling, and it wakes me up. Turns out there was a mouse in my room on the garbage. Needless to say, I didn't get much sleep that night. <laughs> But the next day, as I'm going to speak to these students, I begin to share the story of the mouse in my room. How many of you believe that that night, most of those people were checking the room for mice? <laughs> right? See, what you say impacts what others start looking for. Are you speaking words of life? Are you speaking of the potential in your life, in the lives around you, in this church community? Or are you a negative Nancy? Now, if there's a Nancy here, I don't know. I just, <laughs> oh, you are, there we go. Do you know what? It just flowed really well. It just flowed really well. Negative Nancy. So 10 guys give a negative report, and the people's hearts sank. None of them had spied out the land. The hundreds of thousands of people didn't spy out the land. They didn't see the fortified cities. They didn't see the giants. In fact, the only thing that they saw was the fruit that they brought back. They saw the big grapes, but the, what they heard was what was said, and what was said mattered more than what they saw. Now, two guys, Caleb and Joshua, and that's my son's name, Joshua, said, no, we can do this. Two out of the 12. They saw the same giants, they spied the same land, they saw the same cities, and they said, no, we can do this because what they saw was not anchored in what they were seeing, but what God had promised. In order to cultivate a perspective that sees potential, you can't anchor yourselves in the problem, the hardships, the difficulties. You need to anchor yourself in the God who gives the promise. We're able, the Bible says, because God said we're able. We are overcomers because God said we are overcomers. We can accomplish because God said we can accomplish. And what happens when that happens is your perspective shifts from seeing big grapes and bigger giants to seeing big giants, but I see some bigger grapes. Your perspective shifts. And I don't know about you, but I want to take some ground in my life. And so I'm going to anchor myself in the God who says that I will have a full life, a hope-filled life, and a joy-filled life, even when life doesn't feel full. 
even when life doesn't feel hopeful, even when life doesn't feel joyful, because I've anchored myself in not what I'm seeing, but I've anchored myself in what was said and not in negative Nancy and her report, but God Almighty and what he has promised. Are you with me? I don't know about you, but I want us to take ground as a church. I want us to take ground as a church. I know this is my first day, but I feel like I've been part of this church for a while. I want us to take ground. I want us to see us step into the promises that God has for us. I want us to see us grow, and I want us to see us impact our community. And so we will set our eyes, and we will anchor ourselves in the God who has promised the promises and not in the difficulties or the problems that lay before us. There will be giants in this land. There will be obstacles. There will be hardships. But we choose to look past them to see the potential, to see the big grapes in this place. Come on. Even though the land is full of giants, it doesn't matter because we as a church and as individuals anchor ourselves to something that is greater than what we see and what he says. And Jesus said this. He says, I will build my church. That is a promise that stands regardless of whether or not Parkway, we as Parkway walk in that. But I'm choosing, and we're gonna choose to walk in that promise. To walk in that promise. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come. The Bible declares this. It says, the righteous shall live by faith and not by sight. But too often, church, we're living by sight and not by faith. Don't anchor yourselves in the words of others, but anchor yourself in the word of God. So you may say, do you know what? You don't know my problem. You don't know my difficulty. You don't know the giants that I see. You don't know what I've been dealing with. You don't know how long I've been dealing with this. And do you know what? I don't. And I pray and hope that I will get to know, and we will get to know. We will rub shoulders. We will build relationships, and we can invade each other's lives. But do you know what? There's been seasons of my life where the problems have been so great that I've lost sight of the promises. That I've lost sight of what God had said. There's been seasons of my life and my family's life and I've watched as family members have lost sight of the promise because of the problem. And I felt like the Israelites wanting to go back to the past. You ever do that? Oh man, if we could just go back to the way it was. Remember when the kids were here? Remember when they were coming? we could just go back. Oh, remember when I, I wasn't struggling with this? Oh, I remember when I used to read my Bible this, like this much. Oh, I remember when I was so close to the Lord. We're looking at the past. We're looking at the past. It's hard to see the promise of the future with the problem of the present. Unless we believe that the promise came from something greater. Unless we believe that what was said came from a bigger source than our big giants. Are you with me, church? Our God is big. While you were incapable of dealing with your sin, huge problem, huge giant, God took it upon himself and nailed it to a cross. I tell my boys almost every night, not almost every night, but often when they're afraid to go to sleep because they might see a shadow somewhere or they might have watched something that's stirred in their head that they're going to see a ghost or something. I say, well, do you know what? God is bigger than the ghost. But the God that you just prayed for and you asked for protection for and you put on the whole armor for, he's bigger than the shadow because I want them to get the perspective 
that while the problem seems big and scary and we're fearful of it, there's a God who is bigger than that. Takes away your sin. If he can take away your sin, he can overcome your problem. If he can take away our sin and nail it to a cross so that we can spend eternity with him, so we can step face to face, so we can boldly approach the throne, then our problems, our circumstances, the addiction, the pain, the hurt, our family, our town, our workplace is not very big to him. It may seem like a big giant, but there are bigger grapes. There are bigger grapes for our God. Bigger grapes. Some of you know how the story ends. I wish that the people believed the two, Caleb and Joshua. But the people believed the ten, and they rejected the promise. And when they rejected the promise, what they did was they rejected the one who gave the promise. See, you can't reject the words of God and still walk with God. Like, we fool ourselves sometimes. Well, I know the Bible says that, but I, my interpretation is different. I don't, I don't like that. I just... This is what I think God is. That's great. You can say that all you want. But you think God is this way, but this is what the Bible says. When we reject the words of God, we can't walk with God. They rejected the one who gave the promise, and so God gave them a new promise, judgment. That everyone who was delivered from Egypt that saw God work in miraculous ways, do miraculous things, guide them, protect them, provide for them, would not enter the promised land and find rest, but would spend the rest of their days aimlessly wandering the, de wandering the desert until all of them died off except for Joshua, Caleb, and their descendants. The promise of the promised land still stood because God always keeps his promises. The people just didn't get to walk in the promise. God's promises throughout Scripture still stand for us today, church. God's promise of rest in Jesus still stands. But our faith determines whether or not we walk in that promise. Two guys stepped into the promised land. Two guys took ground because they set their eyes on something greater than the problem. They set their eyes and anchored themselves in the God of the promise. So here it is. What you're looking for determines what you see determines where you walk. It determines what you say. And I'll say this as a church, corporately, Parkway. What we are looking for determines what we will see. And it will determine how and where we walk. And it will determine what we say. And we can live life and do church seeing problems or potential. And we can be a part of this church and we can see the problems I don't like the way that sounds. I don't like the way that looks. Oh, we used to do it this way. I prefer that. This smells nicer. There's smells in all the people in church. Or we can see the potential. Yeah, there's work to be done here. We're going to take some ground. Yeah, do you know what? We're not there yet. We're going to take some ground. Yeah, do you know what? That smells a little funny. I got some air freshener. I'm going to take some ground. I don't like the chairs pointing this way, but I can move a chair pointed that way take some ground it all depends on how we've anchored ourselves so just ask yourself what giants do you have in your life what are the obstacles difficulties health issues family problems we can let fear sink in and take over and we can doubt maybe even walk in sin or we can believe the promise of Jesus and take ground something's going to take the ground something's going to occupy the space and our faith and our perspective will help determine what occupies the space as individuals in our own lives and corporately as a church.
So let's be people in this season that take new ground in our lives, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our town, in our community, and in this region, because God has promised something big for us as a church. God has promised, and I'm sorry, but I'm not satisfied knowing there's like, I don't know how many in Corona, 6,000-ish, 15,000 in St. Clair Township-ish, you guys know better than I do. I'm not satisfied knowing that there are thousands of people that don't know Jesus. I'm not satisfied with that. I'm not okay with coming to church on Sunday knowing that there's people who aren't gathering in church on Sunday because they don't know Jesus. And it might be because they just haven't heard. They just need someone to go. They need someone to scout out the land and go. They need someone to step into the space and take ground. You need to just knock on the door. You need to just say, hey, to your buddy at work. Say, I got to tell you something. I want to invite you someplace because I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied knowing I got family members that don't know Jesus. I'm not satisfied knowing I got things that I'm still dealing with, hurt that I'm still dealing with, and I'm allowing it to overpower me. I'm not satisfied with that. I'm not satisfied. I'm going to change my perspective. I'm going to choose to set my eyes on the promise that God gave me for my own life and for us as a church and walk in that and take ground in that. Hebrews 12, it says this. It says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Let me just tell you my version of this, right? Let us take the ground set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and author and perfecter of our faith. Let us take the ground, church. Let us take the crown. You want to take ground, you need Jesus. The answer to our perspective problem is Jesus. The answer to what you're seeing, to what you're looking for, to how you're walking is found in Jesus. The promise of the promised land of rest from their oppression for the Old Testament Hebrew people, the Israelites, was a foreshadow of what God promises in Jesus for us. That there is rest, that there is freedom, that there is forgiveness, that there is joy, that there is eternity, that there is hope, that there is salvation. Let me just give you a few that some of you already know well. Anyone who believes in me will not die but have eternal life. It's a promise. Anyone who calls on him will be saved. That's a promise. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's a promise. Not I have come that they may have life and have it half full. We're like three quarters of the way. Full. It's a promise. Forgiveness is available and new life is given. It's a promise. Now I, um, I have to do this and maybe we've done this before, but I wonder if there are people here today who have yet to give, and give their trust, to put their lives, to put their hope in Jesus and believe in the promise and not anchor themselves in the problem. And so what I want us to do is, is I just want us, could we all just stand for a moment? Just stand up, just bow our heads. I wanna give opportunity to help, even if there's just one, even if there's just one, opportunity to one person who says, do you know what? I've been seeing a lot of obstacles. I've been seeing a lot of problems. And this Jesus that you're talking about, I need him in my life. And so I wanna help you put your faith today in Jesus by giving you opportunity right now to commit your life to him as Lord and Savior, to invite him to come into your life, to occupy space in your heart so that you can identify as a follower of God. So with no one looking around, we're gonna honor this moment. If that's you today, you're saying, do you know what? I've never put my trust in Jesus. And today I wanna give my life to Jesus. I wanna identify as a Christian. I wanna identify as a follower of God and believe in the promises and not the problems. If that's you today, could you just raise your hand? Nobody's looking around. Nobody's looking around. 
Just your God. Thank you. Thank you. Put your hands down. Can we just all together, can we just pray this prayer? Just pray this prayer after me. Help these people out. Dear Jesus, today I recognize that I'm a sinner and I see problems and I live in problems. But I choose today to put my trust, to put my hope in you. Forgive my sin. Occupy my life. Be my Lord. Be my God. And help me to see the promises and not the problems. In Jesus' name, I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, look at me. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what you need to know. The Bible says that there is more celebration, there is more partying in heaven over one that gives their life to Jesus than many who are saved. So can you just give a shout of praise for the couple that just did that today? Come on. That is, that is worth something. Celebration. Celebration of taking ground. Taking ground. You're choosing. If that's you, listen, I would love I would love to connect with you. I would love to meet you. Come find me today if we can. Another time, that's fine. Come find me. We'll talk. We're going to sing one last song as a church. We're going to celebrate for two purposes. One, we're going to celebrate what God has done in the past. Yep. We're going to celebrate what God has done in the past. We're going to celebrate what God just did in someone's life. We're going to celebrate what God is doing, right? But we're going to celebrate what God is going to do. We're going to celebrate what God is going to do. And we're going to mark ourselves with this song, just really quick. We're going to mark ourselves by taking ground, by choosing that. Do you know what? As an individual, I'm going to take ground in my life. I'm going to take ground in my family. I'm going to take ground in my heart. I'm going to take ground in my neighborhood. And we as a church, we're going to start taking ground. Are you ready? So can we just worship? Can we celebrate? Let's give, give Jesus one more hand. Come on, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Thank you so much for listening to our message. If you liked what you heard, we would love to have you join us on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. If you would like to know more about us as a church or to know where we are located, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com.